I want you to go with me uh, tonight over to the book of First uh, Kings chapter 18. Actually, First uh, Kings chapter 19. And uh, we've been talking about uh, resilience. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight uh, about resilience by grace. Say that with me, resilience, resilience. By, grace. by grace. It's been strong in my spirit for a long time now uh, to just come along the side of the body of Christ and and specifically that part of the body of Christ that we all know is, is our church and our fellowship here, uh, to encourage people that uh, if you felt like you've been beat up and rode hard and hung up to dry, and you've been through some things, and there's an agenda, and there's somehow an assignment uh, to steal, kill, and destroy, and discourage, and to wear you out to the point where you can't be the best version of yourself spiritually, look at somebody and tell them, you're not nuts. Um, you're not paranoid, you're not making stuff up, and that manifests in different people's lives in, in different scenarios. I would say certainly in Kyle and Paige's lives, that certainly was an operation of the enemy to come and steal and kill and destroy. And that may not be your story, maybe other things going on in your life. But what's so strong in my spirit is to help you cultivate and maintain resilience in these last days. We don't need people falling by the wayside in the body of Christ. Let me put it to you this way. How many thank God you're born again? Yes. Now that automatically makes you somewhat of a special class of people in the earth. You're new creations. You're a species that never existed until God caused us to be born again by the Spirit of God. Or we're saved by grace, by faith. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. And then out of that group that are known as evangelicals or people who, who, who you know, understand the new birth, have experienced the new birth... There's a certain number of them that are actually spirit-filled. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? And out of that group, there's a certain number of people who actually will allow the present day of the Holy Ghost and His ministry to, to have His way in our personal lives. And how many of you know if you don't let him, let him do what He wants to do in your personal life, it's not going to happen through you to the wider body of Christ? And there are people that um, have settled their minds. The Word of God is first place and final authority. You know, uh, if you want to you see people get into wackadoodle theology... All they have to do is just deviate from the Word of God. And they'll take one step further and one step further until after a while you won't even recognize that person and what they used to believe. I'm not going to be a used-to-be believer. No. Say, well, I'm a believing believer. But that's what happens. And so when you make that conviction, I'm going to go with the Word of God no matter what anybody else teaches, no matter what anybody else says. It's going to be the conviction of my heart all the days of my life. That makes you an even, you know... Um, you know, smaller groups, so to speak. So you can see, and out of that group are people that, uh, that want to see the full glorification of the body of Christ. In other words, they want to see the restoration of the glory of God in the earth, the restoration of God's supernatural, amen, His goodness, His power, His presence, His goodness in their life. And so you get to see that every, every step you take in Revelation, every step you go into the goodness of God, what happens is there's a bunch of people that fall by the wayside. They don't want any part of that. How many want everything God has for you? And so what I said is that makes people like you, you know, a target of the enemy, but it also makes it uh, incredibly important that you have resiliency in your life. That 10 years from now, 20 years now, if he tarries 30 years, you're on fire for God and you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're living your born-again life out. You're living in the power of the Holy Ghost. You're speaking the uncompromised Word of God. And if the Lord tells you at any moment in time to lay hands on somebody, speak to somebody, encourage somebody, you're there. You're not somewhere licking your wounds. Because you have developed resiliency on the inside of you. I can't even begin to tell you how important this is as a message to the body of Christ right now. And I'll tell you this too, when people do get tired and burn out and frustrated and put out or whatever it is, God doesn't toss you by the wayside. I want you to see that tonight. That is not what God does to his people who wear themselves out in his service who could get burned out. You think, well, if they're burned out, this is what it is. No, when you look at scripture, God doesn't do his people that way. But there are some things we can learn from stories about people who have seemingly lost their resiliency and how God would restore them. He wants to, to use you in an even greater fashion than he ever has before. I'm telling you, this is so strong in my spirit that, that we've got to get over this idea that somehow the Catherine Coleman's and the Benny Hands and the Oral Roberts, those are supposed to be the exceptions. You know, the, the Smith Wigglesworth. No, they're supposed to be the rule. Yeah. That's right. 
But as every one of these powerful men and women have said through the years, there are some that just won't pay the price to get to that place. So if there is a uniqueness about somebody like an Oral Roberts, if there's a uniqueness about somebody like Amy Simple McPherson or Catherine Coleman or whoever you might you know, call upon in terms of your memory of their ministry, it's that they, they decided they were going to maintain, they were going to be resilient in spirits. And I can tell you this, if you think they all just had a party and the devil never came after them, they paid a high price to do. And still many on this earth paying a high price to do what they're doing. And so that means that we have to be supported, strengthened all the more. And one of the things I would say, God doesn't kick you to the curb. So as a, as a church, not this church, but capital C, let's stop kicking brothers and sisters to the curb when they're down. And have a better amen. amen. Let's find a way to help them to rediscover resiliency of spirit. Say it with me. God give me a resilient spirit. All I can tell you is, and it's just so clear to me, we can't afford to lose Born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word of faith, Holy Ghost, amen, devil casting out of Christians. In this nation right now, we need you more than ever. Yes. And the only way that's going to happen is if we recognize our propensity to, you know, to get wore out, to get burned out, you know, to lose that, that zeal, that joy, that fire. Instead of that, let's discover, again, how to be resilient. And I would just encourage you to go back and listen to these messages but let the Lord talk to you. Have you ever felt since you've been a Christian, you felt a little burned out? Been a little put out. Amen. And then what will happen is at that point in time, you'll decide to, to make some decisions in your life. Read my lips. That's the dumbest thing you can do. You want to guarantee yourself a poor decision. Do it when you're in a position where you're lacking resiliency. You follow, and part of it has to do with, with not God hiding from you, but it's in our ability to connect with what he's actually saying. He's not moving, but the static's coming from our end. Does that make sense? Uh, the communication breakdown is not on his end. Say it with me, it's never him. Come on, say it, it's never him. It's always us. So we go back to scriptures, like in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, yes, amen. And it goes to scriptures where we talk about many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And I want to just uh, go back to help everyone understand me on the same page. When I say resilient, what I mean is able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions or circumstances. You're able to recoil back, spring back, you know, bend back into shape after you've gone through something severe. Now, I could go through this room because I've been here a while, and I can just point out and call out what people have gone through that in a lot of cases would have taken a lot of Christians out. So there's already a degree of resiliency here, and praise God for that. But how many know God needs us to be stronger, more resilient? And that impacts other people as we learn Sunday. Other people are watching us. Amen? They're encouraged when you and I have that resiliency of spirit. So when you think about the, uh, you know, the apex personality or you think about uh, the person that modeled this the best, certainly Jesus would give us, amen, that clue. But he's not the only one in Scripture. We've learned about how Joseph literally went through all these terrible things. I'm not sure I could just sat there and said nothing. <laughs> you know, and yet somehow resiliency of spirit. He held to what the Father showed him. He held to the dream, the vision, and one day he became the second most powerful ruler, only second to Pharaoh. We think about how Paul and all that he went through, and he never gave up, he never you quit doing what he's doing. And when they told him, hey, you know, we see, we perceive that you're headed for serious trouble if you continue on your journey. And you know what he said? None of these things move me. Save me, none of these things move me. I mean, the guy is chained to a wall, dictating most of what we have today in our New Testament. They're so precious to us. And I'm not sure that I would be in a dictating mood. Huh? How can you have that kind of resiliency of spirit? Well, we've learned in these sessions that, that part of it has to do with, you know, his revelation. The more he spreads the church, the more Jesus is spread with that church. And it's a message, of course. And I think also he understood that he had a love debt. That, uh, yes, he had been uh, forgiven much. We know he did a lot of evil things. There's no way to tone them things down. But he also understood that he was not to owe man anything except for the continuing debt to love Romans 13 and 8. 
And so we talked about this. If, if I owe a bill or I have something to come and do and I don't have the money, well, I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. I believe Paul had a mentality. I owe, I owe, so it's off to ministry, I go. So if you're thinking about retiring, say it with me. I owe, I owe, it's off to ministry, I go. You get to retire when you're gone. And then when you're on the other side, that's when you really start working. So, you mean there's no retirement in the kingdom of God? Read my lips. No, there's no retirement <laughs> in the kingdom of God. But there is resiliency. Yes. There is the ability, you know, to stand and to keep standing in the things of God. So, uh, we got some people in this here church that uh, have been stretched, compressed, amen, pulled, prodded, amen, thoroughly examined, challenged, and yet you sprung back. I'd like to tell you that everybody I've ever known, everybody I've ever served as a pastor, sprung back, came back into shape after going through things, but they didn't. Um, sometimes they were taken out. Sometimes in the middle of the heat, they made decisions that, went, that took their, their situation or family from bad to worse. That happens all the time. That's why, you know, when you're not really in a, in a place of resilience, you just need to sit before the Lord and be quiet and decide not to decide. Amen? Because you have a 99.999% chance of making a mistake. Amen? And you'll say, well, I wonder why God didn't say something. And God said, well, I wonder why you didn't wait on me. Let the Lord talk to you. Can I have a better amen than that? That's a fine Holy Ghost grunt right there. But let's have an amen instead of that. Okay. So we're working on something, aren't we? We're working on being sustained and resilient in these last days and how important it is that we're like that. So... I want to just kind of fast forward, um, and I guess we also, uh, on uh, this past week, we talked about how resent David was, and how we know that if we'll, uh, if we'll encourage ourselves in the Lord, and we'll inquire of the Lord, and we'll get back in the game, we'll be resilient people. Great. I want to talk to you about the grace factor tonight when it has to do with resiliency. So I want to go to John 10.10. 10. If you open up your Bible there briefly, we'll go back over to 1 Kings it said, I have a resilient spirit. Come on, say it boldly. I have a resilient spirit. I'm going to read this from Rick Renner's actual translation. It says, but I came that they might have, keep, and constantly retain a vitality, gusto, vigor, and zest for living that springs up from deep down inside. Sounds like an Art Hines sermon series, doesn't it? Rick Renner got all that out of, I am come that they might have life. <laughs> he actually translates what he means by life there. I came they might have, they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, richly loaded, and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. Now, I'm going to read this again, and I want you to be honest with yourself tonight. Does that sound like my life right now? Notice I said be honest with yourself. All right? We're not taking a poll. You don't, you don't have to tell anybody. But on the inside... But I came that they might have, keep, and constantly retain a vitality, gusto, vigor, and zest for living that springs up from deep down inside. I came that they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, richly loaded, and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. Now, how many would say in your heart today that that's not exactly how you feel right now? Okay, well, you're not alone, and you're not the first, and won't be the last. This is a great scripture to tell us uh, what his ultimate end game and vision for us is. He came and might have what? Life. The devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The devil's in the stealing, killing, destroying, you know, ministry, if you want to think of it that way. He, God, our God is in the abundant life ministry giving. That's what he's all about, what he wants to do in your life. And it's, it's my heart that you would feel this way, that you would feel that gusto and vigor and zeal. It would be constant in your life. You would have real resilience. Look at somebody and say, I can take a licking and keep on ticking. And take a punch. Amen. Some of you have. Anybody can just lay down, throw in the white towel. No, that's not what we're called to be. So go with me real quickly over to Ephesians. We'll get the first Kings here in a minute. When you find Ephesians, say, yay. yay. Timothy and Juliana and Sarah are out of town tonight. 
he's actually at Bush Stadium, baseball heaven. <laughs> Juliana's first baseball game. Aww. So I just have to say, train up a child. <laughs> and in the way that she should go. And when she's older, she will not be a Cubs fan. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh my. Ephesians 2. Verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived... Um, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, say rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were yet dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Shout that out. It is by grace that I have been saved. In other words, you and I didn't earn it. It's unmerited favor, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that any man can boast. But watch this tack on here in verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now it looks like a contradiction in terms there. But it's not actually when you begin to understand this. And this will help you navigate all kinds of teaching that's out there and will continue to manifest in these last days. You need to realize that uh, not only will revelation uh, prevail so will heresy. Yep. And you've got to understand how to differentiate between what is coming from the Spirit of God and what is coming from the evil one, trying to divert people and deceive people and try to water down their precious faith. Now understand this, you're saved by grace, but it's through the agency of faith. Everybody say, thank God, thank God. for grace. But Romans 5.2 says that we access this grace or this favor by faith. Grace is the ability to stand before God, of course, without a sense of condemnation or, or shame or, or guilt, but, uh, or even inferiority. But how do you access that? There's only one ordained access way into His grace. Now, religion doesn't like this. The world doesn't like this. But the only way you're going to get to the Father is through whom? Jesus. Specifically, faith in what? In Him. So the grace is there to sustain you. The grace is there for you and me to be resilient. But I'm going to access that uh, resiliency by grace through what? Faith. Through faith. And faith comes by? Hearing. hearing and hearing by? The Word, the Word of God. But the Bible also tells us that faith without works is what? Yeah. It's dead being of itself. And so here's what you have to do to understand how these very precious spiritual concepts work together. The whole, the whole thing is grace. The Lord uh, sending His Son to die for you and for me, this is all grace. It was all going to be based on what He did, His atoning sacrifice, what He did for you and for me. His blood was shed for you and for me. Aren't you glad for that today? It's all grace. But how does somebody actually access that grace? They do it with the key of faith. A believe on the one that he sent. And because you believe, you are saved. And because you are saved, you do things. Are you here? Amen. I'm his workmanship after I'm saved. I don't work to get saved. But now that I am, he wants to make me into a masterpiece. He wants to make you into a masterpiece. He wants you to be His workmanship. So here's the deal. A lot of things that, that, that look like we're, we're, we're propagating the gospel of works, we're not. We're just simply telling you that if you're really born again, you're going to do certain things. Yep. And if you're not born again, you won't. And if you're born again, you're going to stop doing certain things. 
I got one correct, and that's right, and two amens. Can I have more than that? When you're really born again, if you're, what, you've accepted that grace, you've tapped into it by faith, there are going to be certain things that you do and certain things that you don't do. So what you're going to find out in the body of Christ is confusion on both sides of this. People who say, you don't got to do nothing now that you're saved by grace. It's all God. Matter of fact, just get up every day, cross your legs, put your hands like this, and wait, God will do it all because it's all about grace. And you got the other side. It's all about what they do. Legalism and rules tacked on to rules tacked on to rules, and they never seem to have enough things to say that we're supposed to do or, or not do. The first message to a new convert should not be a list from another Christian of all the do's and don't do's. It should be, seek the Lord. Yeah. Get into His Word. Amen? Yeah. Get into good Bible you know, teaching in church. You know, be baptized according to what the, what the Word of the Lord is. Why? Because that's an identification issue. It's not a legalistic issue. You see what I'm saying to you? Don't let people tell you that means of grace, in other words, are, are legalistic obligations. Let me put it to you this way. We access the grace or favor for resiliency by faith, just like everything else. Resiliency, listen to this, just like the forgiveness of your sins, resiliency is part of your salvation package. You may have heard it taught this way at some point in your Christian life. God has keeping power, not just saving power. Come on, say it boldly. God has keeping power, not just saving power. He's able to keep that which he saves. So whether it's protecting or delivering or guiding and directing or healing or providing, intervening, whatever it is, keeping is part of this. So in other words, he got you born again. He wants to keep you. This idea that God can't wait to knock you into the next county and from there into hell is just not scriptural. He's done everything he can do to keep a human being from going to hell. Say it with me, everything. I think sending your son, your pure, holy, perfect son to die for what? For this messed up place is God doing everything he can do. But understand this, uh, the God that has saved you, he wants to keep you. And that's where resiliency comes in. And so you might hear a lot of people talking about different aspects of salvation. I just want to reiterate to you that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Of course, the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. I'm not going to be ashamed of any dimension of my salvation. And I don't want you to be either. Never be ashamed of what the gospel provides in your salvation. And part of it is a thing called resiliency, the ability to get up and stay up. And when you fall down, you get up again. If you get smacked down, you get up again. If you make a mistake, you get up again. If somebody runs you over, you get up again. Somebody stabs you in the back, you take the knife off out of the back and you just keep walking on. Somebody talks ugly about you, you just say, well, you just shake that off in Jesus' name. You move on. Somebody bites you like a viper, do what Paul did. You shake that thing on and you walk on in Jesus' name. Because what you're doing, where you're going, what God needs you for is far more important than any of that. That's what it means to forget what is behind and press on, press on. Forward. And if you're like me, uh, I've never been bitten by a snake. I don't have a story like my brother James told about my dad, where my dad took my brother hunting. He was 12 years old. And uh, they got to a creek bed, and they are hunting for squirrels. And my dad said, I'm going to go left this way, and James, you go right. And he goes, now here's the bottom line, because we're going to be separated. If something happens, I won't know that something happened to you. So what I'm going to have to do is tell you, I want you to fire off two or three rounds let me know that something's wrong and then do it again. Well, as Jamie went down to the right side of that creek, you know, you know, he didn't see any squirrels, but he did have a snake, a poisonous snake, bite him. And fortunately, it didn't get very far. It got, uh, you know, to about the boot and into the sock. And so what's James doing? Boom, boom, boom. Dad doesn't come. <laughs> Fires it off again. Boom, boom, boom. Doesn't come, you know. Finally, he's just moving, you know, making his way back to where they were originally, you know, separated. And here comes Dad. What did you get any? Does <laughs> it get any squirrels? I've been, I've been firing for an hour, telling you I got bit by a snake. You know, I could be laying over there dead by now. But <laughs> I've never been. He has. I've never been by a snake, but I've been bit by two-legged ones. 
And not with fangs with poison, but with mouths, with poison under their lips. And you're going to make up your mind up that if you're going to, I'm going to walk with God and I'm going to serve God if everybody treats you perfectly. And no one's ever ugly to you being a curse. No one, no one ever does the wrong thing or you never go for anything. I'm telling you that, that Paul and Silas will probably think that you and I are just a bunch of wimps. Not over here. They're offended by that over here. No. <laughs> um, throw it in jail for preaching the gospel, and what do they do? Praise God. Amen. Just singing praise to God because they have the mindset that God's getting ready to do something. The devil did his best. Now, if you're the devil that night, and you got a you know four or five demons that, that report back to you know their slave driver, the devil, and uh, these demons say, hey, "We got him." We got him arrested. It's over. We're going to shut him down for good. How many understand that the devil backhanded those demons when that was all over? Because it turned into a revival. And miraculous power was demonstrated in that situation. Why? Because they had a resiliency. How many like to see more power in you and through you? Yes. That's only going to happen if you're resilient. Amen? Yes. If you faint in the day of trouble, the Bible says how small is your strength. Amen? So we want to have every dimension of our salvation. And, and write this down and get it deep into your heart. Resiliency is part of your salvation package. You should expect God to build resiliency in you. Just like you would expect God to forgive a sin if you confess it. Just like you would expect God to heal your body if you were sick. Just like you should expect God to provide for you if there's something missing in your life. How can you believe for resiliency? You have to hear it. What we miss in the body of Christ, it's not there because we don't have the teaching and preaching on it. And so we suffer. We just sit there like everybody else in the world just kind of grin and bear it. Hang on, you know, Friday is coming, that mentality. No, we're not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to have calm delight on the inside of us. Like that definition Renner gives us from John 10.10, 10, we're supposed to have gusto. Look at somebody and tell them, I perceive gusto in you. Raise your hand if you know a lot of Christians, and there are a lot of Christians without gusto. Amen? They lost their gusto a long time ago. Their gusto has got up and went. <laughs> they, they need something to happen. They need to be believing for and experiencing God's resilience. So we access resiliency the uh, same way we access everything else that God would do in salvation through what we call the means of grace. Now watch this. It's all grace. We access it by faith. The question is how does he operate and move in our lives with that faith through things that we traditionally call the means of grace. This is how, in other words, you don't earn the grace. Why? Because it's unmerited. But you do put yourself in a position to be exposed to what that grace will do. And you know some of these things are real simple to talk about. Um, prayer is a means of grace. The more you subject yourself to him in that intimate relationship, the more you can see his hand on your life and various dimensions of and manifestations of grace coming out of your life. Same thing with fasting, same thing with celebration, same thing with communion, you know, same thing with Bible study and meditation and reflection. These are what we call the means of grace. We access grace by faith, and these means help us approach Him in faith. That's the connection. Uh, now, the person says, well, I'm saved, and if God wants to do anything, He'll just do it because it's all grace. No, you're going to see a lot of things not happen in your life because you misunderstood. Say it with me. I'm not saved. Because I work. But I work because I'm saved. And you know, sometimes at Bible study and prayer and reflection and fasting, uh, these things can seem like work to you. Depending on where you are. Spiritually, at any given point in time, it could be more of a chore than, than maybe it's supposed to be in your own mind. But other times, you just feel like you're being carried along and it's a wonderful experience. Amen. Thank you for the holy amen. Sometimes you struggle through it. Sometimes you just have to discipline yourself. And other times it's just it's just the easiest thing in the world is to spend that time with God. Well, what does a mature Christian do? It doesn't matter how they feel. 
Simple application of it. Uh, you know, man woke up one day and told his wife, I'm not going to church today. He said, yeah, you need to get up and get dressed. You need to go to church with the rest of the family. He said, no, I'm not going today. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I'm not going to church. She says, you have to go to church. You're the pastor. <laughs> well, do um, you know that the church is a means of grace? Amen. And what does a mature Christian do? They just go. Uh, there comes a point in time where the resilient spirit does not have to be pushed to do what they need to do to maintain that resiliency. They've crossed a line of maturity. Say it with me, I have crossed that line. I know I'm talking to the right crowd because this is the Overcomers Club. This is, this is not the one and done club, amen, or I got run over club. No, say it with me, it's the Overcomers Club. So it's just an example that uh, if after all this time, someone has to still be pushed or encouraged or invited. Look, when you've been a member of Hope Harbor Church for 34 years, you should not have to be invited to come to your own church. Come on, resiliency. Thou should be the one inviting. But you'd be amazed how many people, that's their mentality. Well, it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Yes, it is. Raise your hand if you want to be resilient in these last days. Yes, there are people that, that you know, they're on the job or they're going through a physical battle, something like that. That happens. But I'm not talking about people on the job or people that are sick or injured or whatever. I'm talking about people that are perfectly fine. So I, I just you know, call them as I see them. I want to see God raise people up to do the supernatural all over town. Uh, but don't expect a Catherine Coleman anointing when you can't even come to church. Happen? Oh, I want to have a, a ministry like Joyce Meyer. No, you don't, because you don't want to fight the devils that she's had to fight. You you can't even fight the devil when the devil says don't go to church. How are you going to have a ministry like Joyce Meyer? Amen. No, no, no. It's not going to happen. You haven't even demonstrated basic resiliency. Let's put it like, like this. Resiliency 101. No, not 101. What's, what is the remedial class before 101? 99? <laughs> You're in church attendance 99. When you should be in the 900 levels by now. Your mentality should be, I'm going to be where God wants me to be, period. Amen. Don't have to be pushed or prodded or invited or threatened. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to be there. Say it with me, resilient spirit. Listen to what he says here. And we'll just start with Isaiah here. I'm going to read these to you. Write these references down. We access resiliency through the means of grace, like prayer, meditation, reflection, celebration, fasting, Bible study, Bible reading. These all expose us to the grace of God. And when you do that, only good is going to come. Amen. Blessing's going to come to you. I've never been led astray because I've been reading the Word. We're in His presence. Amen? In Isaiah 40, He gives power to what? To the faint. And to him who has no might, He increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary. This is a resilience of Scripture. And young men shall fall exhausted, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They're going to get their resiliency back. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I'm an eagle Christian. How, how does that happen? Resiliency built, of course, in His presence. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 52, 8 and 9, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the God. Do you see a pattern here? Resilience is going to come through your exposure to the means of grace. 
Well, God's grace will just cause me to be resent. Not if you're not doing the means of grace. The things that expose you to it. The old timers used to talk about getting under the spout where the glory comes out. Yep. Yep. Amen. Say it. I'm getting under the spout <laughs> where the glory comes out. See, the Lord, uh, I believe all my heart, has, a, has an agenda, has a mission, a destiny for everybody in this room. But you're going to have to be a resilient Christian to get there. So stop giving yourself permission not to be. Stop giving yourself permission to take a hiatus mentally or emotionally or spiritually. Start taking responsibility for your life and say, you know what? I can be what God has called me to be. And as you do, you're going to open up an entire new world of things that God has planned for you, for you, to do in you and do through you. But they come through things like the means of grace. In uh, Psalm uh, 38:15, but you, but for you, O Lord, do I wait? It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Aren't you glad for that? And then Mark 6.31 just emphasizes this. To his disciples, he said to them, because they weren't getting any rest, the people were constantly around, he said, come away by yourselves and do what? And get some rest. Amen. Um, a body that's falling apart is not going to have, amen, a lot of impact in these last days. Amen. You are to take care of every part of you. Amen. Glory to God. My mom keeps getting texts from a California salon asking her if she's going to keep her appointment tomorrow in California if you get a hair done, Don. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's a scam right there. But I told her, if you do fly out to California, it's going to be some do, isn't it? Amen. It's going to be <laughs> some haircut. <laughs> a crazy world out there, isn't it? <laughs> you need to take care of every aspect of it. Amen. Is it okay to get your hair done? And yet Don says y'all better amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, amen. <laughs> Is it okay for ladies to get your nails done? Is it? Yes. Is it okay to take care of the body? To rest and restore the body? Yes. Like it or not, the supernatural ministry has been deposited into finite physical beings. Wow, what a, what a great privilege it is, amen? amen? To be called of God, to be used of God. But we're not Him, amen? We see Jesus even separating Himself to seek God, to expose Himself to the means of grace, the perfect sin, the spotless Son of God. How much more should the people of God be separating themselves and exposing themselves to the means of grace to have resilience? So the question is, how does somebody even get in this kind of a position. Now, 1 Corinthians 18, 1 Kings 18, I'm not going to go through the entire reading tonight, but you know that uh, the prophet of God, Elijah, took on the prophets of Baal, and there was a confrontation, and um, basically um, he challenged them and said, the, the God who answers by fire, that's the one you should serve. Uh, how many know that, that a lot of Christians are meandering between two places right now, yeah. between two opinions? We need to serve the one who is the Lord. And so he, um, he prepares everything, and um, he cuts the wood, he provides the water, he, <laughs> he douses the thing. How I many know just doing that would wipe you out? Yeah. Especially in temperatures like we've had around here. I mean, yeah. a couple hours and you're done. Ship home that, uh, that saddle. <laughs> and he does all that, and, and guess what God does? Answers by fire. Yeah. But guess what doesn't happen for the prophets of Baal? I get so tickled when I think about this and, and Elijah just having fun with him. Is your God on vacation? Did he, did he have to go take a tinkle? What's, what's the deal here? <laughs> and then uh, power of God came on him. What happened? He personally slays the hordes of the false prophets. And um, I know physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, he is expending a lot. We're not talking about Gideon's army here. We're not talking about a thousand of Israel's finest. We're talking about how many? One, One man with the same power that was obviously on, on somebody like Samson. And so, um, look at this scripture with them. I'll get over there where I'm supposed to be with you. First Kings. Look at chapter 19, verse 1. 
I'm going to just uh, give you in a minute just five simple things here that will get you in that position of lacking resiliency. One, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. I mean, wouldn't that make a great movie? I mean, forget about the Marvel Universe. How about the Elijah Universe? That would be a really interesting movie. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, now this is, how many prophets did he take out? How many? And uh, who prepared the altar? Who did all the physical labor? Uh huh. So uh, it seemed to me he had matters in hand. But one threat from one woman, and he's on his way. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. What gods? The ones that were just proven false? The, the ones whose, whose prophets are dead? Those? If by this time tomorrow I do not make you, your life like that, like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid. Hmm. He took out 400 prophets, but one woman. That's another series for another year. Amen. (laughs) Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He's not afraid taking on 400 of these prophets, taunting them about their God, but he's afraid of what? Some of y'all act like you know that woman. (laughs) Have you met that woman? Okay. Um, She's that woman that shows up at your family reunions. Amen. Okay. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, uh, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Now, how many know this is a guy that's lacking resiliency at this point? And once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals, better known as angel food cake. And a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled four days and forty nights until he reached toward the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Uh, We'll get back to some of those actions that uh, follow this. But write this down. One, he's just dealing with playing exhaustion. Christians get exhausted. Physically, mentally, emotionally, they get exhausted. A couple observations. Number one, that does not make you a second-class citizen. It does not make you a failure. It doesn't mean everybody else is better than you. Because if they all were honest, at one time or another, they hit the wall. Something challenged them to such an extent that... They went through something where their resiliency, of course, was challenged. Second thing is, God does not toss out people because they're exhausted. Not Elijah and not you. Well, I'm not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a superstar Christian. No, they don't exist. There's one superstar. His name is Jesus. Amen. The rest of us are his servants, his power, his strength. He's fighting He's at war. This is an act of war here between these prophets and him. He's working. He's running. I mean, the things that are going on here, just reading it makes you tired. But he lived them. And some of you have had seasons like that. And some little bird told you somewhere along the line, because you got tired or exhausted, that must mean you're less of a Christian than somebody else. You probably began to throw names up of people that, that have it all together and you thought that they never go through anything. And well, that's because all you see is maybe the public part of it. You don't see behind the curtain where the demons are fought. You don't see what they have to stand for to do the things they're called to do. So exhaustion. Number two, ungodly thoughts. Um, we know that her threat had an impact on him because what do you do? 
You can tell when an enemy's thought has been taken by you, you begin to own that thought because you begin to act in direction of that thought. And that's exactly what he did. Did God tell him to run? I mean, you would think that, uh, tell you what, Ahab, bring her over here and I'll do it to her what I did to the prophets of Baal. Isn't that perfectly reasonable? But that's not what happened. He's exhausted now and he's given himself over to ungodly thoughts. And just as soon as that happened, it produced a thing called fear. Everybody say fear. He's afraid now of the actions and the attitudes of other people. What's going to happen if they get a hold of me? Well, um, you know, this is, this is what natural people go through. This is what Christians go through. The important thing is not run around denying this might happen to you or has happened to you. The important thing is to deal with it scripturally. To be honest with yourself and apply the truth to it. If you're thinking wrong thoughts, what do you do? You stop and correct them. If the spirit of fear is trying to move in, what do you do? You block it. Amen? You develop the spirit of faith. Number four, isolation. Notice he left behind his servant. It's not uncommon for people that uh, when their resiliency is, 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 is at that moment questionable for them to isolate themselves from other people. They'll withdraw from the house of God. They'll withdraw from ministry. They'll stop doing this and stop doing that. And they'll, they'll pull back away from people. And sometimes it's just, you know, a natural response. And sometimes it's, hey, I don't want God to hold me accountable. If Ruth came in tonight, this is the night she got born again. Uh, she should be handled differently than the Ruth that's been saved since Methuselah. And there are people in the body of Christ who can't understand this. So if a pastor or leader treats a seasoned Christian differently in terms of demeanor and expectations than somebody who's recently born again, you should understand that. So I don't tell, you know, the baby Christian has been saved two hours, you know, knock it off, suck it up. But to the person that's been saved 40, 50 years, you should be able to have somebody look you in the eyes and say, Knock it off, suck it up, buttercup, and not get offended. Now ask me, is that always the case? No, sometimes the person saved four decades is more tender than the guy that's been saved two hours. Amen. This is reality. So they isolate at a time when they desperately need connection. Just be aware of this. You see these tendencies in you, you're headed towards a problem with resiliency. Amen. And you may not feel like it, but we're not moved by what we feel. That's true. Amen. Praise God. Number five, wrong words. You begin to say stupid things like, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Um, are you getting the picture here? This is a man despondent, depressed, exhausted, completely beat up. And watch this. And he was the champion. He's the one that won. <laughs> the other guys are dead. He takes them out and he goes crawling into a hole here. Uh, I wish I were dead. Amen. Those guys are dead. You should be glad you're alive. Amen. That was the point. You continue their ministry, their ministry is over. Amen. Their false god, their delusion is over. Uh, say it with me. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Ungodly thoughts. Ungodly thoughts. Fear. Fear. Isolation. Isolation. And wrong words. words. Say it again. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Ungodly thoughts. Ungodly Fear. Fear. Isolation. Isolation. Wrong words. Honestly, how many of you have seen one or more of those show up in your life from time to time after you were born again? Yes. Amen? If you can't approach your Christian life and the Word of God being real, you're never going to have resiliency in your Christian walk. And do not waste any of your energy trying to pretend for other people you're just fine. Just be what you are. Because sometimes we're not fine. Amen. So don't waste any time with a false bravado. No masks. Just take them down. Go ahead and run. Everybody take them off. Just take it off. What you see is what you get. 
Why would people do that? Fear of being rejected, fear of being judged. No, this is a non-judgment zone. There is a judge, and you and I are not the judge of the universe. Amen. Give permission for people to deal with things like resiliency without having to pretend they're okay, because that's energy that could be spent on real resiliency. Getting what you need. Amen. Exhaustion. God, isn't it amazing how these always go together? Amen. And then somebody quotes a scripture to you. And you just want to tell them, duck. I know that scripture. I had that scripture memorized when I was two. Huh? Huh? Say it with me. I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. Say it. Resiliency is part of my salvation. It's part of my soundness. It's part of my wholeness. We needed Elijah to continue his ministry. He wasn't done. We need you to continue your, your place on this earth and do what you're called to do. You never know who you impact day to day, hour by hour. Amen? Just by being the child of God, who you are, where you are, where God has placed you, we need you to be resilient. So, Pastor, how long are you going to be on this? I don't have any idea. But I can tell you this, you're all going to be resilient. Amen. Every bone in your Bible, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and go, resilient. When somebody asks you, how you doing? Resilient. <laughs> Amen. You're going to, no matter what comes at you, you're going to bounce back. Amen. You're going to come back into proper shape. Amen. And you're going to allow God's grace through the means of grace, expressions of your faith. Faith without works is that. So I don't feel like going to church because I don't feel very resent. Doesn't matter. You do it anyway. Don't feel like reading the Bible. Do it anyway. Don't feel like praying. Do it anyway. Don't feel like serving. Do it anyway. One of the dumbest things you can do is stop serving because you feel like you're lacking resilience. You do it anyway. Now I expect the baby and the Lord to do something like that. I expect mature Christians to suck it up. Amen. And stay in your lane. Stay in your spot. Acting like this stuff only happens to you. <laughs> Look at somebody and tell them with a big smile, with love in your eyes, you're not that special. <laughs> it happens to everyone. And you think that people don't go through it? I could, I could tell you stories about leaders in, in the Spirit-filled church in the Word of Faith movement, in the prophetic camp, I can tell you about battles that these people have gone through, and you know what they all have in common? Resilience. They found something out about the need to stay the course in their life. Does that mean? So say it, I'm no quitter. So we're going to find out in the next session um, just how grace was applied to his life in this situation and brought him back to a place of resiliency. That's how powerful grace is. Amen? Not because you earned it. But because God wants you to enjoy all of your salvation, including resiliency. Give him a big hand clap and thank him for it tonight.